0: The next guest is Kip Schubert. Kip is an educator and coach who is driven to lead and love staff and students to believe and discover that they are the greatest miracle in the world. Having almost 30 years experience in education, Kip is sharing that secret sauce as an educator coach, author, speaker, and a podcast host of The Secret Sauce with Kip Schubert. Kip recently moved from Oklahoma to the mountains of Colorado, where he now teaches and coaches for the Woodland Park School District. Kip has climbed mountains that once seemed impossible to him. He uses his experiences of being homeless and alcoholic, who is in custody of his daughter, and his wife's diagnosis with an incurable blood cancer to share how he used adversity to find his advantage, his secret sauce. His why is to use those powerful stories combined with building real, authentic relationships to reach back over the mountains he has climbed, so that he can be that sherpa to guide and empower others. Kip is the proud father of four great kids, three amazing grandchildren and blessed husband to his wife, Cindy. He loves to be outdoors hiking and especially during college football season, watching football and eating Italian food. He is also an upcoming Road to Awesome author and grateful for each day he gets to share that secret sauce to make a difference in the life of staff and students. Welcome to the podcast, Kip.
1: Uh, thank you, Dana. I, I appreciate your uh, your grace and persistence and, and finally getting me on um, <laughs> to talk with you. I, Looking forward to the conversation to share a little bit about Secret Sauce and see what we can impart on the the guys listening to us today.
0: Yeah, so it is, you know, pleasure uh, connecting with other Road to Awesome authors and finding out about their story. And, you know, we've been connected for a little while and we have a couple of things in common, having lived in in Oklahoma and now both living in Colorado. But let's start off with that um, question. I start off with everybody Tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out.
1: That's a, um, well, I'll, I'll just start with, um, I'm almost, almost nine years, uh, clean and sober, uh, on March 21st, this year, it'll be nine years. And so a little more than, than that, um, you know, going back nine, 10 years ago, uh, I was an educator and a coach and, um, hanging on, um, by a thread. Um, that the, the year before I went into rehab, uh, March uh, 21st, 2014, I had missed 47 days of school uh, that wow. year uh, before spring break. And, and, you know, it was a situation where um, the principal I had at the time was a, a guy who was a very good friend of mine. And um, he had we had started our teaching career together back in um, 1991 together. Uh, at Putnam City District in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma and um, he was doing his dead level best for me to keep my job and and to help save my my professional career but I was just um, spiraling out of control. Uh, I was drinking seven days a week um, trying to teach, trying to to parent the best I could, which was not you know which was, was almost non-existent at that time and it just got to a point where, um, in my family, most of my family, except for my older kids lived in, uh, uh Tulsa. And so they were okay. a couple hours from me and, and being in, in an addict and an alcoholic, I didn't, I didn't share at all my troubles or what was going on with me, with my family. And okay. every time I did show up, I was the life of the party and they had no idea the extent of my life and, and how things were going and how, how bad things were. And I had, um, I was leaning really heavily on my oldest son, uh, Blake to come pick me up from bars or to come over and let me, you know, cry or, or, you know, whatever I was doing to him. And But one night I had, um, threatened to commit suicide, uh, Mm -hmm. and I had a, a gun and it was loaded and, you know, I never could find the guts to pull the trigger. Um, and I think now it's just that I, I couldn't find those guts because God had something for me to do and, and, and more for me. Um, but I'd called my son over. He had to see me in that situation. And it's just the, it, it broke him. Uh, that situation broke him and he called my parents and just said, listen, I'm not his, I'm not his mom and dad come get him. And so, uh, I had some of my, my siblings showed up the next day, uh, picked me up and took me to Tulsa and a week later, Later, I went into uh, Valley Hope uh, rehab facility in Cushing, Oklahoma. Uh, and again, I went in, I went into rehab thinking that I would come out uh, knowing how to drink responsibly and and party like a good guy, right? And so um, I was about a week into rehab and still didn't think I had an issue. Um, but when I went into rehab, I was homeless, obviously an addict and an alcoholic, and um, and still not thinking I had a problem, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and my counselor calls me in about a week into rehab, and cool. she asked me to sit down, and I could immediately tell on her face that that something was terribly wrong, and what I thought was maybe my one of my kids had died or my parents had died. I mean, I, it, was, it was that serious. And um, yeah. you know, she said, "Kip, sit down. You tell you something." And and that is when I learned uh, that I had lost all parental rights and custody of my little girl camden who was um five years old at the time and that was my rock bottom moment my reaction to it was uh, i got very angry and uh, the place that i was in was a place that you could leave at any time you weren't um forced to stay um and so i was going to go grab my stuff and i was going to go commit suicide and kill myself i was done and um, As I was walking back to my room to get my stuff together, I walked by the chapel they had there. And for, you know, for whatever reason, I felt compelled to go in. And I went in and I uh, sat down on the front row of uh, the chapel there and I just stared at the cross forever. And, And I just began to cry. And, you know, and how my life had gotten to that point and how it had unraveled so far. To where i was homeless an alcoholic in rehab that finally hit me i had lost custody of my kid my my other three were adults already so um i had nothing left except mm-hmm. my teaching certificate and my job at at yukon mm-hmm. middle school in yukon oklahoma and um i uttered i looked at that cross and i uttered one word and that the only thing i could utter out of my mouth was the word help that's it. And, you know, I don't know. Uh, it was a spiritual moment for me, but I I, I can't really describe it other than there was just a warm sensation that just kind of picked me up and I stood up and whether it was God or, or whatever, I just heard a voice saying, you've got work to do. It's not about you anymore. And so it's one of the things I talk about when I go into schools, as far as, being able to rediscover that fire and purpose and what we do as educators is it's not about us. And my yeah. whole life to that point had been all about me. Why was I wasn't, why wasn't I getting the things that I was due, whether it was in, in my broken marriage that I, I mean, I'd gotten divorced and that's kind of what sent me over the the edge with the alcohol and the drinking. Um, but you know, but why hadn't my life turned out like everybody else's and, the, and all the other people I taught with and all these people that I admired and, you know, I I felt so sorry for myself and, and and it was all about me and it just flipped. I mean, like a switch, um, that I had work to do. Then the first work was to get my daughter back in my life. Um, and it wasn't easy, uh, getting sober. It wasn't easy leaving a rehab facility and going back to a place where you had no place to stay. Um, I had no car. Um, and they gave me a week to kind of get my feet to find a place to stay and and you know couch surf to get back to work and teach in school and um I did all that, but I think the thing that that was the catalyst for me and I think for most people that experience adversity if they are in the trenches is that they they somehow lose that sense of of purpose and yeah. for me, my purpose was all you know about getting teacher of the year again or getting coach of the year or getting um, all these things I'd gotten forward as a professional soccer player, getting all those accolades. And, you know, it was all about, it's always about what I could get and not what I could give. And um, when that, when that switched for me and it was about what I could give back and um, that made all the difference, um, you know, for me and coming out of that trench. And again, like, like you mentioned in the bio, it, it wasn't an automatic, you know, my life didn't change and was just great, you know, all of a sudden. It was a really hard climb, a huge mountain, where many days I didn't think that I would be able to do it. It took me three and a half years to, to get my daughter back into my life. Um, and she's now almost 16, getting ready to drive. And your typical teenage girl, I just spent the weekend with her uh, this past weekend in Oklahoma City. And, um, you know, I think that, again, that played a part in, in that was another trench I climbed out of. But that, that time prepared me to be the father that she needed. It prepared me with, with discipline and perseverance. It's made me a much better teacher, an educator, um, a coach, um, and even a speaker when I, I go in to do those kind of things in the speaking space. And, um, you know, that was just something that was very difficult, um, you know, but the one thing you mentioned at the end was my wife's cancer. And, you know, when life finally started, it took about five years probably when, um, we were, we were getting married and I had met Cindy and I'd gotten financially kind of back on my feet. Um, I had something to drive. I had a place to live. Uh, I had a teaching career in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, it was going really well. Um, I just won teacher of the year, my, my first year in, in TPS, at Tulsa public schools and, you know, life was great. And, um, Cindy is one who always goes and gets physicals and yearly checkups and all that. Um, and her blood proteins were off, and we were getting ready to go on vacation and, and um the doctor didn't think that much of it, said so go on vacation, we'll test you in a month. It's probably something in your diet, whatever. And then when we when we go back the next month and she goes in for her tests again, the, the blood proteins are um increasingly higher than what they were the month before. And um he gives us a number to call. And so Cindy calls it in on the other, other end of the phone. They answer St. Francis oncology department. You know, and she, you know, she had no idea. I had no idea. Now in my first, my first reaction was what about me? What about Kip? Here I, here I am. I found this woman. Uh, I I, were getting married. My life was great. It's going to fall apart. And then, you know, I had to go to the bathroom actually, and and dry my eyes. And and um, when I came back into the, the kitchen, she was standing there, and and she looked at me and she said, "I will live, and I will not die." And you know, ever that kind of just reaffirmed all the lessons that I had learned in my yeah. years of recovery uh, before. And um, you know, with her. Beside me, it's just one of those things that we've we've done every day since then. Is that we will just we live we live big. It's one of the reasons we moved here to Colorado, yeah. um, and we'll make the most of our life and 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 she will not die. And we'll just make it make a difference. And I think that's probably the thing that that's my passion right now is just creating an impact where you are and with what you do because that's why we're yeah. here, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been um, it was a it's been a a, a difficult. Eight, eight and three quarters or almost nine years um, of a journey out of that yeah. trench of, of alcoholism. Um, but it's one that that has put me in the place that I am today and has taught me so many things about my passion, my why, my purpose, and um, you know, really the impact of doing what we do as educators and how important it is and, and to value every single day and to, to know that I get to, I don't have to. Um, you know, I think that's something that's very important in, in, in remembering gratitude is one of my things that I do in my journal every morning still to this day that I learned in rehab that is so important that when I know what I, when I, when I focus on the good and seeing the good and staying above that line, all the noise around education and, and being a teacher and a coach and those kind of things just doesn't have the effect on me that, that it would have, you know, before, or maybe on other people. So that's how, that was probably my biggest trench, uh, uh, and how I kind of climbed out of that.
0: Yeah, and being there for your wife um, when she got that diagnosis and going through her treatment, you you wouldn't have been able to be that person to be there. For oh no. Her. In the past, um, the old you that was only focused on yourself, and like you said, it took hitting rock bottom, um, losing your daughter, right, and to realize that you have the problem and needed to work through that. Right. So, yeah.
1: you know, and, I, and I think, I really think that, you know, all those recovery slangs, rock bottom and one day at a time. And, you know, I went to AA for a while. I mean, I always thought that was for other people that was for those people.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, the ones you see on the street corner holding the sign. Um, and I, I learned that, you know, I, I think we're all recovering from something. Um, but addiction and, and those kind of things, it could be a lot of different things. It, it doesn't discriminate. It, it hits everybody. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of those deals where um, I think the beauty of 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 what I went through is that I'm able to use those things now, not just to help someone who's going through a recovery from drugs or alcohol, but whatever, whatever you're recovering from. You know and as, and as teachers and educators and and coaches it's um there's a lot to recover the last couple of years in in education and uh you know it's been a tough tough road so um I'm grateful for for that journey and for those lessons and to be able to to share them now in my story and what I call the secret sauce mm-hmm.
0: yeah and I think those hard times uh in your past have only made you stronger like you said prepare right. to you know give these talks prepared to write your book and, and speak to others and and impact youth um let's talk a little bit about your move from uh oklahoma to colorado so you know i've also worked in tulsa public schools during my student teaching and you know you said you worked in sepulpa as well uh-huh. that uh-huh. right. so i'm familiar with both of those places and you know now you live in woodland park um which is right above colorado springs uh, so, talk about the, kind of the shift from working in a larger urban uh, school district like TPS yeah. to where you are currently, and then a little bit about your your day to day, what you teach and the coach.
1: Okay, and um, you know Tulsa, as you know, Tulsa Public Schools is is a huge uh, urban district, mm-hmm. uh, and the biggest the biggest difference between TPS and even in and even Sepulpa, um and Woodland Park really is the diversity
0: yeah. um
1: you know I, my second year in, in uh, tulsa rogers i had several kids in the same class who did not speak any english whatsoever mm-hmm. and i spoke very little spanish and so it was yeah. that was the very first time that i had ever experienced anything like that at all and and yeah it was extremely difficult trying to teach those students who couldn't understand me and I couldn't understand them. And Google translate became our best friend and, 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 and almost like playing charades with a lot of things. It was, but, but just to, but just to, I mean to be able to go through that and to see the good and see the joy in it. It was such a blessing to me. Um, Even when I could see that they actually got something I was trying to teach them. And you know, and then just have them just buy into the things that we were doing in the classroom and and then to, and to hear their stories. And, and you know, that I think there's one of the things I talk about in, in my classes now in park is that absence of diversity. Yeah. And those kids um, that I have now, you know, it's not their fault and and they can't, uh, they're, they don't have a choice in how they're brought up or where they're brought up or who their parents are or where they live. And, and, um, you know, and kids are so much more open-minded and resilient today than, than they were yeah. when I was in middle school, obviously. Um, but, you know, they don't have that experience that that um, the kids in the larger cities or even down in the Colorado Springs, um, yeah. where it's much more diverse. Um, they just don't have those experiences. And so, you know, I, I I wish that they did because they could see, you know, you can try through social studies and social studies is what I teach in Winland Park. Um, sixth grade western hemisphere geography so you can try to talk about and and do things and and show them other cultures and other ways of living and and the things like that that and and how they do it currently so it maybe it's more relevant to them um but until they actually experience it firsthand um you know it's not the same and and so i i wish they had that that here um you know they don't but that's the biggest difference And um, you know us us moving here was really a COVID situation. We were going to retire, and we'd always we always had vacationed up around uh, Woodland Park area. Um, But we were going to once we um, retired, we were going to move up here. And when COVID (laughs) came, it was just like um, with the things with her cancer, with everything else, it was like you know let's live big, let's make every day count. And so we just we put the house up. Well, actually, before we put the house up for sale, it sold. Um, and then of course, moving here and the, the markets from Oklahoma to Colorado were drastically different, <laughs> so, so, trying to actually, um, trying to find a house, um, here was, was difficult. And that was another big challenge and kind of a trench. Um, um, but you know, it's just been amazing, um, being here. We love, we love the place. Um, but I, I do miss that diversity and that the differences, um, that you have in those urban schools, because it—I actually learned a lot. Because the schools mm-hmm. that I came from before that were predominantly, you know, predominantly white, and so a lot of the things I experienced and, and learned in TPS, the kids were teaching me just as much as if, um, you know, if I, as I was teaching them. And I'm still in contact with a lot of those kids um, still today, and, um, and and love to hear that they're doing well and, and stuff like that, but um i do miss that diversity and that yeah. uh, the bigness but I, I will say too coming to a smaller district like woodland park it's so much easier easier to fill a part of the entire district because sure. you know everybody knows everybody and you know all the upper admin and um you can make those connections and relationships with a lot more people because it's a smaller place um so you get to know a lot more people in, in all the different positions um, in the district that you probably wouldn't in a place like TPS cause you just don't have access to, you know, the superintendent or the upper admin people or, or things like that. Um,
0: this podcast is a proud member of the teach better podcast network, better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, you know it's it's I've I've worked in small districts and, and large ones, and I, I get what you're saying. Like the easier access to the people in charge, right? When you're right in a smaller district, and you know you kind of are one of tens of thousands for the larger districts. So, um, so what what do you coach? You also have been a coach, or are you still coaching the yeah. same thing you coached back in Oklahoma? Uh
1: huh. Yeah, I coach soccer. Um I coach the boys soccer team here in Woodland Park. Uh, I have coached for. I've coached longer than I've taught. I started coaching before I actually got out of college. Um, but I've uh, coached club and high school in the Oklahoma city and Tulsa areas. Um, I had retired um, from coaching. I can't remember 2000 and I think 2007 or eight. Um, I was uh, Oklahoma West side coach of the year at Putnam city high school. And I, um, it was really cutting into my drinking time and so yeah. I uh, retired from I retired from coaching I quit so I could drink more um really and uh I think I'm saying 2015 16 can't remember what year it was but um, a friend of mine who I had he had play, he had played against me as a player um when I was coaching in Oklahoma City uh, and he went to play d1 ball great little soccer player and um, came a really good friend of mine through my recovery. And he's like, Hey, I heard the job at Sepulveda soccer's open. And yeah. uh I was just like, you know, AJ, why would I want to go there? They haven't won. They never win. They've been the bottom of six A soccer since I can remember. And he, he goes, Hey, if, if, if you, if you apply and get the job, I'll be your assistant. I think it was yeah. a good, good thing, for, a good thing for you. And I'm like, you need to get back in. It's what you do. And so I reluctantly, um, Applied for it, um, but glad I did. Uh, the AD there at the time was Jason Parker. He's a former Tulsa University basketball player, um, and uh, we became really good friends. and uh, And that connection was really great for me to have. Um, but when they first called me back about the job, they they asked me to be the assistant first, and I had never been an assistant anywhere in my life. And yeah. I just told Jason, "I'm like, yeah, I don't, I'm not interested." And he called back a couple days later. and said, we want to offer you the head coach job. And so I said, let me talk to my wife. And I asked Cindy the same thing. I'm like, you know, why would I, I haven't been in soccer and you know, it's been about seven or eight years. And uh, I think it's passed me by. I was kind of done with it. Um, you know, and plus these guys have lost, you know, they only won 10 games in like the last decade. They're terrible. <laughs> why would I want to do that? And she just looked at me and said, you know, if you're not, if you're not uncomfortable, you can't grow. And I was like, "Dang it!" You know. And um, of course, your wife's always right. And so, I just was like, "Okay, we'll give it a shot." And um, you know that I I'm glad I did because we, the first year I was coaching there, we won ten games. We were ten and five, it was the best records the pulpit had in probably two decades. And um, we turned the program around. And it was, but it it was an opportunity for me to really put into practice all those things that i had learned through my recovery and, and coming out of that trench right it was what i was beginning to call my secret sauce that i didn't even know at the time it was it was it allowed me to really get in and in and, and give and not worry about getting because it wasn't about me and it allowed me to really practice those things that i now call the secret sauce and that i've that i've um you know developed through that time, especially in Sepulpa and coaching that coaching those boys, um, to really make me the man I am, the a better father, a better husband, better teacher, coach, um, and give me a platform to, to share uh, those things and how we can use our story to create an impact for others.
0: Yeah. And that got you back into coaching as well. Right. And like you said, it was a challenge and turning around the program, but like that helped you be a better coach uh, in your current position and. So you mentioned the secret sauce a lot, and I wanted to touch a little bit on the book that you're currently, um, I think you said in the queue to have published yeah. with Road to Awesome. Um, so just touch a little bit on what people can expect um, uh, when they when the book is available, kind of what they would expect uh, to get from reading it um, and like how people might be able to discover their secret sauce, if that's something that you talk about as yeah.
1: well. Well, right now the working title is part of it's called, uh, to Helen back. Um, and I don't know with, um, you know, with Darren Peppard and Roe and what will come of that when we get, when we get through, it may change a little bit, but, um, I really just in the book, I share, you know, the story more in depth, um, than what I've shared here really on the podcast with, with the time that we have, but I go into depth about, um, my, my alcoholism and recovery, um, but I, I, I break down into the chapters, the different things like perseverance and discipline and selflessness, uh, forgiveness, um, grace, um, understanding the we before me um, mindset and, and things like that, that I learned through my experiences, um, really through my early childhood and in in early adulthood and then my recovery and things like that from, from drinking. Um, And then how I use those in coaching and teaching today. Um, And then I, I also, you know, part of, uh, we all have that secret sauce and, you know, it's really all it is, is, is sharing our story and understanding what that story is. And we all have different things. I mean, you have your story. And I have mine and there's things that you have learned through yours um, that I haven't. And so, you know, we all have those unique different ingredients to the secret sauce that we've learned through those adversities that become our advantage or the struggles that become our strength. And it's just and it's just understanding how to uncover kind of kind of peeling back the layers of the onion, kind of how to uncover those um, and to really get in touch with with who you are what your passions are, what your natural gifts and abilities are and how you can use that through your story to impact others where you are. And so, you know, it's like, like for me, I thought forever teaching and coaching was about how high I could climb the ladder um, and what awards and things I could win. And I, I still had a natural gift and ability to connect with kids. I mean, relationships are my thing. Um, it's just what I do. And I didn't really even realize it at the time. But I've got kids that will, will message me today and, and where I still talk to that, like, they didn't really know the extent of, of what was going on with me. They knew that I smelled like alcohol half the time when I walked into the classroom. But, you know, even then, how I helped, you know, save their life or, you know, alter their trajectory of what they're doing in, into a successful way um, now with their lives. They haven't forgotten the lessons that we talked about in the classroom and really back then i was just sharing everything i was struggling with and my demons and kind of portraying that as somebody else and they related to that you know and um it's just they had no idea that that they were keeping me alive those kids yeah you know they were i got up in the morning sometimes you know i missed 47 days of work that, that last year but i missed a lot of days every year because i was you know on benders or whatever and but those kids and those connections with those kids that, that those relationships kept me from from doing the things that you know i thought about in those those hour, those dark hours by myself and they just kept me alive and i'm so grateful for them um and so again that book the book is just you know it's my story and the things that I've learned through the hardships that I've gone through really is my adversities and how I use them now as my advantages. And that's, that is my secret sauce and how relationships drive, what we do and we're in the people business and how relationships and culture, whether you're in the classroom, whether you're in admin, whether you're in an athletic position as a coach, you know, those things, drive what we do when we, we have such a powerful job to create an impact on people um, and change their lives. And it's just trying to uncover that and and, and to get people to, to, to dig deeper into who they are, to, to find that, um, because they're not just a teacher. Uh, they're not just a coach. Um, you know, there's so much more than that um, to the kids we teach, to the people we serve to the athletes we coach and so and yeah. i hope that and from what i understand i think it should be out sometime around the end of may
0: okay
1: um, so it'll be um telling back probably something that's how i found my secret sauce i'm sure that will okay. work it work it out uh pep and i'll work that out but um it should be out into may sometime and and uh it's been a long time coming. So I'm ex- yeah. really excited to, to do that. And, you know, I spent three or four years trying to get it started.
0: Yeah. And it was
1: all, it was all recovery. It was all, it was all that darkness, you know, of that yeah. part of my story. And I'd get about three or four chapters in and scrap it because it was so heavy. And it was just like, that's not who I am anymore. It's not. And, you know, and, and through, um, uh, hooking up with with Darren and, and Brandon Beck as uh, coaches, they really got me to see, you know, relationships and teaching and coaching was what I did. How can I use that, you know, all those things that I knew I was developing in myself, that secret sauce that was there, how can we now get that out and share that with people? And so.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm glad just, that, you know, you connected with them. It's, it's exciting to have that um, kind of on that horizon. Um, you know, to hear your story, to know, like, about what's um, what you have to share as well from your podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited.
0: Yeah. So uh, we've had a great conversation around what you do, kind of your move to Colorado, um, a little bit about your, um, your trench story. Out of everything we talked about on the podcast today, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember?
1: I would, I, I want them to remember, and if you're listening to this, whether you're in education or not, or whatever role that you have in education, that you're there to create an impact. I mean, from the school bus driver to the head admin person or the superintendent. Um, As educators, I I believe that we are in the greatest profession in the world, and we have such an ability and power to change the trajectory of people's lives. And it's all about reconnecting to your purpose, recalibrating your mindset and then reliving your story in every single thing that you do. You know, it's just, you know, people ask me, do you share your your recovery stuff with your sixth graders? Well, absolutely not. You know, they don't, I don't share some of the things I even shared here on this podcast um, in in the classroom with middle school kids. It's not appropriate but I can, I can share the lessons I learned through that. And I can, you know, I can kind of temper down the stories a little bit where they don't really know what I'm saying necessarily, Mm -hmm. but you know, I can still relay those things and there's other stories that I've learned through my time um, and, and, and um, other stories that I experienced, especially after I've gotten out of recovery and back into teaching and coaching and everything that, that I can relay to those kids that um, really just about not giving up. And loving yeah. people and being kind and the one of the things I say to them all the time is I love you cupcakes. I got this big poster on my wall. Um, <laughs> I, I got a coffee mug um, at Valentine's Day from a girl her, her mom put I love you cupcakes on it. It was cool, um, you know. But it's just to share that with them and and then share that with the people around me. Um, uh-huh. You know, in our, in our school, in our district. You know, as a coach, you know I can I can share more of of those stories because they're 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 of an older age um you know and it 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 just relates so much to what you know kids are going to go through and what they see and when they see i think the thing that you know creating that impact and like i said reconnecting with your purpose recalibrating your mindset reliving your story if kids you know that that common saying that they don't know how they won't care how much you know until they know how much you care but if you can make yourself authentic and real yeah It doesn't matter what you teach. The kids are going to learn it uh, because they're going to they're going to love you. They just want and they just want somebody real in front of them. And so I don't when I share my stories, if I cry in front of them, I cry and I don't you know, I'm just vulnerable and sometimes raw. And it's just I think as teachers and educators, the more vulnerable, vulnerable and raw we can be with our stories in front of the people that we serve the further you're going to, to push them um, to their successes that they're going to have in their life. Um, because again, they're going to remember what you what you, what you told them and how you made them feel. They're not going to remember that content. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's just again about, you know, make an impact where you are, share your story. Be raw, mm-hmm. be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Find find that secret sauce because you have it and begin to share it with those people around you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so important to remember. Where can people connect with you and find you
1: online? Um, On Facebook, uh, if you look for The Secret Sauce with Kip Schubert um, or just Kip Schubert on on Facebook, that's probably the best way. It's one I use most often. Um, Instagram is secret sauce, uh, uh, at secret sauce, E-D-U. Um, That is the Instagram and Twitter. Um, LinkedIn, same. Uh, My podcast is on Podbean, but it's also on all the other major podcasts. Uh, podcast, uh, what do you call those things? Podcast apps, I guess. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Distribution
0: sites. There you go.
1: (laughs) The the techie stuff is, that's not my secret sauce. um, The tech stuff. Um, But uh, yeah, just, I would, I would look for me on Facebook. That's what I use most. Um, You can check out my website at kipshubert.com. And if anybody's listening and would like to to talk about um, how I can work with them and, Bring them the secret sauce to their school and district. Or they can get in touch with me in touch with me on there and fill out a form to uh, for me to get back with them on.
0: Great, great. Well, it's been a pleasure finally connecting with you, having you on the Out of the Trenches podcast. Um, you know, I hope people get a lot out of hearing your story and are able to connect with you, like you said, if they'd like to have you come out and speak. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thank you again, Dana. I appreciate it.
0: My book, Out of the Trenches Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. You can access it through Amazon. You can buy it at the Road to Awesome website, or you can get it through my website at danagoodier.com. Please re- leave a review, and you can also access it on Kindle. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe. Share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC.